Bible, and let's stand together and take a look. We're going to be looking at Chronicles 18. Here we go. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, had made iron horns kind of fancy. And he declared, this is what the Lord says. With these, you will gore the Arameans until they're destroyed. And all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack, Ramoth Gilead, be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Now the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, all the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs, speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. And when he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Attack and be victorious, he answered. They'll be given into your hand. The king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. And then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? And then Micaiah continued, therefore hear, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven sitting on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this, another suggested that. Finally, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means, the Lord asked. I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all of his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go, do it. So now, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Let's pray. Father, we live in a world filled with lies, and we need you because your word is truth. Our hearts are yours, so let your Holy Spirit speak to us because you are the spirit of truth, and we're ready to listen, and we want to be led by you and not by anyone or anything else. Let your truth come and change us in the inner secret places in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, you may be seated. Fake news. (laughs) It's got a lot of attention recently, hasn't it? This last week, that ruling came down that, you know, after looking through all of the evidence and interviewing all of the witnesses, the Trump campaign did not collude with Russia, you know, to steal the presidential election. And that investigation cost about $25 million, been going on for two years Hundreds of false news stories hyped up by, you know, mass media have been proven to be fake news. Now, fake news isn't just news that is false. 
We're not talking about the onion, okay? We're not talking about the National Enquirer. We are not talking about the Babylon Bee, okay? This isn't headlines like, you know, Osama and Saddam adopt shaved ape baby, okay? <laughs> We're not talking about that. We are not talking about the snake with human head found in Arkansas, no. Or the, the stopped clock named CNN's most accurate reporter. <laughs> We are not talking about Hershey's replaces kisses with, you know, the more pure side hug chocolates for Christian markets. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Does anyone remember Bat Boy on the newsstands, right? It's all satire. That stuff is meant to be funny. No one actually believes that stuff, right? Okay, there's always some halfway, you know what I'm saying, uh, whatever. No, fake news is specifically packaged as though it is truth, but it is intentionally misleading. Lies have an agenda. I said lies have an agenda. But truth sets people free. Lies bind and control people, but truth frees you. It empowers you. Fake news is designed to steer you, to direct you, and to funnel you into a trap. And I, I hate to disappoint, but, you know, even Donald Trump did not come up with fake news. No, it's been around for a very long time. And right here this morning, we see an example in the Bible. And I get it, you know, you came here this morning, you want to get pumped up and you want to get, you know, double anointings and, and spirit blessed. And, but the substitute speaker just said, you know, turn your Bibles over to Second Chronicles. We're going to read about a bunch of ancient kings who begat other ancient kings and went to war with some other ancient kings. And now they're all dead. And you're like, yeah, I'm glad I dragged myself out of bed and got out of my PJs this morning to hear about, you know, King Jehoshaphat. He's so fat, whatever. You are missing out. You are missing out, people. If you are just reading this book like it's some kind of ancient stories. No, this is today. This is a mirror, okay? It's happening right now. Fake news, CNN, messed up NBC, right? It's all here. I'm going to prove it. So strap, strap on because we're going in, okay? The events we're talking about take place roughly 200 years. It's a massive split between God's people. It's a, it's a division, I'll point out that that division is the result of the idolatry, the greed, the selfishness of Solomon, whose heart had turned away from the Lord. And we looked into some of that last time, right? Have you ever wondered why sometimes God's people, why is it that churches can't get along? Ever wonder that? Ever wonder why Christians fight each other? Mark my words, wherever you see division happening among God's people, you can bet that idolatry and selfishness are right at the center of that. God's people are divided into two nations, Judah and Israel, and they share the same history, same language, same genetics, all of that. But they're divided and they're in a state of hostility with each other. But here we see the king of Judah and the king of Israel coming together. They're sitting down side by side. I mean, shouldn't this be a good thing? Shouldn't we get excited about these guys getting together? Who are these guys? Well, Ahab is described in 1 Kings 16 by, like this. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So Ahab is an overachiever. 
but in the worst way possible. He's power-hungry, self-centered, baby-killing, murdering, demon-worshipping tyrant. And to top off all of that, he has allowed himself to be controlled and manipulated by his wife Jezebel, who has exterminated so many of God's prophets that the rest of them have to live in hiding, okay, just to escape her orders to shoot on sight and shoot the preachers on sight, okay? Here's Jehoshaphat, next guy. He's described like this in 2 Chronicles 20. He followed the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, he's, this, he's a savage king for God. Okay? He pulls down all the idols and the, and the false temples. And, and he reforms the Department of Education so that the Torah is taught all over the land. And he reestablishes the worship of God as the one true God. He puts God first-ish. Spiritually speaking, these guys are night and day, okay? This is like the Joker and Batman. This is like Black Manta and Aquaman. This is Red Skull and Captain America, okay? I think you get the picture. What could possibly bring these two guys together? What else? Marriage is what brings us together today. That blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream, Jehoshaphat aligns his son. Thanks for laughing at that. Okay, everybody who was alive in the 80s. All right. Jehoshaphat aligned his son in marriage to the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Now, how many parents do we have here this morning? You pray for your kids to find a spouse from a godly home where Jesus is Lord. Let me see your hands. You are praying for your kids. Yeah, all over the place, we are praying for our kids. Now, how many of you are praying that your kids find a spouse from a devil-worshipping, child-sacrificing family? Can I see your hands here this morning? Okay, nobody, nobody. Yeah, why is that? Because family is important. Because in-laws are important. They become family. You don't just marry your spouse. You marry the whole family. It's okay. You just, you just keep your eyes up here. <laughs> real big. Give me real big like Alexandria Cortez eyes up here. Like you don't know what I'm talking about. Because your in-laws are angels from heaven. They love you unconditionally. And, and they're not whacked out crazies who by some miracle, you know, produce the perfect person who is your angel spouse. Amen. Okay, so I want to have a conversation like sometime with this guy. Like, you know, JFAT, what are you thinking? Like, so you love the Lord, you worship God only, but you want to give the spawn of Satan to your son as a wife. How do you think this is going to play out? I mean, I, I know, I get it. Jehoshaphat does, does love God. And the kingdom was divide, divided. And everyone say it with me. Thank you, Solomon. But this was really stupid. This is a willfully ignorant political move to try to reunify the two kingdoms. And so why was that stupid? I'm so glad you asked me that. Because it bound up a God-fearing king with a worshiper of Satan. And also, because if you're using marriage to fix problems, that's dumb. Hashtag stupid kills, okay? It really does. And if you track the family line, you will see it actually does kill later on. It made Jehoshaphat obligated to Ahab. So when the crazy in-laws are like, I'm going to start a war for revenge. Are you with me? And you're like, this is going to affect you because it's family now. Look, unity is beautiful. 
Unity is God's will. Jesus prayed that we would be one, just like he and the Father are one. And if he prayed it, you know it's going to happen, right? And if he took the time to pray that right before he went to the cross, don't you think that you and I should do everything that we can to facilitate that, to lay aside our, our differences and our arguments and our divisions and unite as brothers and sisters? Yes. But this is for believers. This, Jesus wants Jesus' followers to be united. He isn't asking for us to unite with the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And this, just, this isn't just about marriage. This means don't obligate yourself to someone who doesn't put God first in everything. Don't go into a business partnership with someone who, you know, they might check that Christian bubble on the form, but they're not actually living out a faith-filled, you know, spirit-led walk with Christ. It's going to end badly. Look, it's not saying that you have to go and ask your auto mechanic, you know, if he subscribes to pre-trib resurrection and the 16 points of fundamental truth of the assemblies of God before he rotates your tires. Don't do that. Please don't do that. And don't go into, you know, your office, your, your work, and, and tell your boss you quit because the Bible says you can't work with heathens. I suggest you don't do that. <laughs> no. This is talking about partnership. This is talking about covenant relationship. And I'm not talking about whether, you know, they identify as Christians. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's not that. It's, it's saying you need to find someone who is on the same page with a measurable demonstration of commitment and zeal and passion for God, right? Show me, show me. We give young people a hard time about this, but come on, adults. Come on now. Your kid brings home someone who is sometimes a Christian. They cannot even verbalize the last time God talked to them about anything in their life or he moved in their life. But I just want my baby to be happy. Right? Or we go into business with somebody because they're just their family. You know, they're not serving Jesus, but their blood. Or partner up with someone who might be brilliant in their line of work, but they are faithless in their character, faithless in their marriage, faithless in anything that they're given. When you're willing to exchange your integrity... For something that you want, the result is sin. And Paul's warning us, don't go there. And if you need an example, here's King Jehoshaphat, right? Second Chronicles. Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Some years later, he went down to see Ahab in Samaria... Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him and urged him to attack Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? Okay, this is, this is straight up mafia tactics right here, people. Right, invite the family over, cook a huge feast, everyone's full of pasta, leg of lamb, and then you're like, hey, how about we send Ramoth Gilead to swim with the fishies? They have dishonored La Familia. Right? And Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, and my people are as your people. We will join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first, seek the counsel of the Lord. So, so Jehoshaphat's like, hey, we're family. If they hurt you, they hurt me, but um, first, let's, we should ask God, Right? 
Jehoshaphat, not so fast here, okay? Because first means first. First, you've already promised Ahab, we will join you in the war. And then like an afterthought, but yeah, let's ask God first. That's, this is the kind of first-ish squishy stuff that's going on with Jehoshaphat. God was almost first, but actually family was first. He gave his word to fight with Ahab before he knew if God was in it. God will not take second place behind your family. He will not take second place behind your kids or behind your friends or your business or your employees or your country. God doesn't do second place. Second place is losing place. Only it's not him that loses. God never loses. It's you that loses. It's your family that loses when you put them before God. You think you're doing them something special. You're not. You're hurting them. It's your business that loses when it comes before God. It's our whole country that loses when we put ourselves before God. Come on, give him praise. You are first. So if you enjoy losing, by all means, put God second in your life. Because that's exactly what happens to Jehoshaphat and Ahab. After 400 fake news prophets make idiots of themselves talking about how he's going to be victorious. But Micaiah says, no, God is going to lead you into this fight, but it's because God wants to kill you. And he does. And Ahab dies. The end, let's pray. (laughs) No, I'm I'm kidding. But seriously, I wish that that's could where the, the message could end because the rest of it gets kind of awkward, you know. And I love the Bible because it doesn't shy away from the cringeworthy stuff, right? It doesn't shy away from your messy room and you want to close the door. No, it throws open the door and it shows everybody, look at the mess that you wanted to cover up. Are you ready to be uncomfortable? It doesn't matter. Here I go. Let's watch God send a lying spirit to put down a corrupt king. So now, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Okay, maybe not a scripture we put in the Romans road to salvation, you know, when we're witnessing to our friends, right? No, this story shows us a part of God we don't talk about a lot in church. The God who actively plans the death of wicked rebels. Okay? I don't expect Elevation to come out with a song about this anytime soon. <laughs> nope. You know, God, your justice goes further, further than the punisher. Take Ahab and Jezebel and throw them into hell. Okay, no, there, I don't see a lot of hands being raised on this offering here. It does not fit into, you know, our little box of theology. You know, God is good, God is gracious, he's merciful, he's kind. And all of us who grew up in church, we're all scrolling the same, you know, passages in our head. Numbers 23, God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should ever change his mind. No, see, God is good. God is merciful. God is also just. And if you think that he is more one than the other, you are deceiving yourself. God has put up with Ahab's stuff long enough. He has seen it all. He's tracked through all of it. And Ahab has blown through every warning. And here's a church service. And 400 prophets are telling Ahab what he wants to hear. These guys are not druids or warlocks. They're called prophets. But these guys actually, they don't worship at the temple. 
They worship God at the golden cow idols in Bethel and Dan. See, they've compromised in their obedience to and their devotion to and their worship of God. These guys are trafficking in lies, fake news. And they make idiots of themselves to show King Ahab he will be victorious. They didn't fast and pray and comb the scriptures. They, they knew what Ahab wanted to hear and they gave it to him just like they had countless times before. And this is happening all over our country today. Am I right? People who call themselves Christian but are living in compromise, living in rebellion, serving up whatever people want to hear, and then they call that worship service. Because of technology, whatever kind of messages you want to hear, you could listen to it right now. Right? You could choose your news. Now, 30 years ago, you know, we all had breakfast over the same newspaper. We all switched on the same broadcast, the nightly news. We all saw the same thing. But now we get to customize even how the news comes to us, which way it's spun, left, right, up, down, video, article, BuzzFeed, Twitter feed, news in 140 characters or less. We have more sources than ever, but we've become less and less interested in what is the truth. We don't treasure truth. We don't honor truth. Oh, no, because see, now there's your truth and there's my truth. But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way. He doesn't leave room for another truth or another way or another life. He is the only one. And God has reached his limit with Ahab. Ahab has voluntarily deceived himself for so long, now God is going to use his appetite for lies to destroy him. And God sends a deceiving spirit. God is not a deceiving spirit. God doesn't speak lies, but he allows a lying spirit access and success. Why? Because God is done. And that's a gut check moment, I think, for everyone. Watching God be done with somebody. And it reminds me of, of, of that story when the Israelites were in the wilderness, you know, and they've been miraculously rescued from Egypt and they receive the wealth of the nation and the supernatural food and the water and they travel with the presence of God by day and night and then they start to whine because there's no Chick-fil-A out here in the desert. <laughs> Numbers 11. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. I'm like, okay, so you're a slave, but hey, the fish is free. <laughs> Priorities, people. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic, but now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but the man. Where I call the ambulance. <laughs> Numbers 18, uh, in verse 18, God finally speaks up here. He says, tell the people, Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If we only had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. And now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it just for a day or two days or five or 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? It's an all-you-can-eat quail buffet, right? <laughs> like, 
It's covering the ground. Not all you want to eat. It's all you can eat. Like it's 50 miles, square miles, like from here to Elk Grove, three feet high, right? God is like the old school dad who caught you smoking a cigar and said, oh, you like that? Here's the whole box. Smoke it right now, right? <laughs> this what you really want? Okay, now you're going to eat it till it destroys you. Like Solomon, oh, you like the ladies? You like the power and the money? Sure, have a thousand women. Have more wealth than anyone's ever known. And you will find out that you will be depressed and lonely and empty, I should probably never work for Hallmark. <laughs> Happy birthday. Hope you get what you deserve. <laughs> yeah, that probably won't work. Ahab gorged himself on lies and greed and murder and idolatry and deceit. And now God was just going to give him what he wanted. More deception. And it was literally going to kill him. You know, if, if Calvary just wanted to bring in millions of dollars, we know how to do that. All pastor would have to do is just stand up here and preach, you know, how it doesn't matter what anybody does or how you live. Just warm, fuzzy messages with lots of, you know, prosperity scriptures. And he would just leave out all the bits of the Bible about God being holy and God being just and how you're to die to yourself and pick up your cross and follow Jesus and never preach about that stuff about faith without works is dead. You know, we could just, we could just make all the services a show with flashing lights and smoke machines, and, and hundreds of people would flock to that. Ahab had 400 false prophets. He had only one man who would walk in there and speak truth. And if we would just tell people only what they wanted to hear, we'd probably have 400 times, you know, the members. You say you're a follower of Jesus. You say that you will have no other gods before him than get comfortable in the minority, Okay. You want to be a person that will only say what, what the word of God speaks and agree with that? Well, guess what? You're going to be unpopular. Did you know that? Now, when Jesus did the miracles, he had big crowds. He had a huge following. It was a big show. But as soon as he started speaking truth that made people uncomfortable, what happened? Thousands left, right? And he even asked his 12, are you going to leave too? And I love how Peter responds to that. In uh, John chapter 6, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. He didn't say, where should we go because you have the key, the key to heaven. He didn't say, where should we go because you could raise the dead. No, what Peter valued was Jesus' words because they are life, eternal life. And where else can you get that? Do you love truth? I'm asking you. Do you love truth? Do you value truth above your own comfort? Because it hurts sometimes, doesn't it? Do you treasure truth? You see, here's level one. You know you love truth when you have a Micaiah in your life, right? Someone who will walk in, look you right in the face, and tell you hard things and tell you truth, and you don't push them away. You see, in today's culture, anyone who speaks negatively about us, well, they're haters. Haters be hating. Okay? But here's the next level, truth loving. You love truth so much, you don't care what the rapper is like. Okay? You don't care what package it arrived in. You don't care about the tone in which it was spoken or the style in which it was delivered. I, people, are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't have time to go into, the, there's another story here. It's about King David. He was criticized in front of the whole army by a nobody, okay? David could have killed that guy in a second. But instead, David said, let me reflect on what he said. Maybe there's truth in it. If there's not, 
then God will defend me, right? See, people, people are going to come to you and they're going to deliver truth in an imperfect way. And it's going to be an inconvenient time, probably, and it's going to gnaw on you. Do you love truth enough to overlook the imperfections and be grateful that truth has come to you and that they cared about you enough to say it? Maybe the person who cussed you out on the highway, you know, they didn't correct you in love. But if the truth was you were looking at your phone and you were distracted, right? You were putting other people at risk. Do you love truth enough to humbly receive that? Can you receive truth when it's delivered by an enemy? Second Chronicles 18, the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. Okay, look at me, people. Like, cause just, just because someone says things that are hard to hear does not make them your enemy. Okay? King Ahab hated Micaiah because he never spoke anything good about Ahab. And the reason for that is simply there was nothing good to say. Okay? <laughs> And nobody evidently taught Micaiah if you don't have something good to say. <laughs> right? <laughs> King Ahab was focused on a man instead of his real problem, his real problem with God. Ahab considered Micaiah the enemy, but actually Micaiah was better to him than anyone else in the entire court. He spoke the truth without fear. He was the only one there. Micaiah was his only true friend. Everyone else, including King Jehoshaphat, hello, just helped him to his doom. Are there people in your life that you have shut out or shut off because they say hard things? Those could be more your friends than any of the dozens of yes, yes men, you know, who are just, they're just upvoting you. They're applauding whatever you do. They're being supportive of every dumb mistake that you make. <laughs> we can laugh about this, right? Because we've all been there, right? Think back over your life to the most, pit, the most pivotal moments in your life. They came after a serious conversation, didn't they? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess here that 99% of those were hard conversations. I can think of several that I've had. Major changes that God brought into my life because someone had the guts to have a hard conversation with me. And I received it. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you could say the same thing? Look, here's the second problem, though. We have a Micaiah shortage. We are a culture that values tolerance and acceptance. We are not confrontational. I mean, unless we get behind a keyboard with a user ID, and then it's like guns blazing, right? No, we are losing the ability to love people enough to look them in the face and tell them the truth about God, all of the truth about where their choices are leading them. And Jesus said in John 13, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love is not sitting by and staying silent when you have the cure. When you're afraid, of, you're just afraid of how someone's going to respond or that you'll say it wrong or it's just, so you just say nothing at all. Proverbs 29 reminds us the fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be set securely on high. Look, use wisdom. Let everything be rooted in love. Ask for wisdom from God. He will give it to you. But don't be silent. Enabling and encouraging something that is wrong, that is not loving. Silence is not loving. 
Not to speak is to speak. And if you are staying quiet because you're afraid of being rejected or how they'll receive it or you're afraid of being uncomfortable, then guess what? It's not them that you love. It's you. You care more about your feelings than you do about them, about them knowing the truth. And you just lumped yourself in with 400 false prophets who encouraged Ahab to his death. We are in trouble if we exchange truth for just getting along and just being nice. Nowhere does it say in the Bible, thou shalt be nice to thy brother and thy sister, right? And it doesn't. It says you love. Love will yell at the kid who's about to run out into traffic, right? Being kind doesn't always mean being nice and soft. Sometimes the good guys will have to say hard things. And no one wants to be the bad guy. Nobody wants to confront But you cannot say that you love someone and then silently sit by while they go destroy themselves. Having a hard conversation, it creates an opportunity for the other person to respond and then receive grace and experience forgiveness. Why would you deny that to someone? Or they might choose to not receive it. Then then that is called willful self-deception. And here is the way to know if you are voluntarily living in a delusion. It's when you hear the truth, but you think, that doesn't apply to me. God still loved Ahab enough to send a man to look him in the face and to tell him point blank that there was a deceiving spirit in the mouths of those corrupt prophets giving him fake news. But Ahab is too far gone to even take that last exit, to take the last opportunity he was handed because Ahab thinks he's smarter Ahab thinks he's going to trick God. Quick question. Anyone who's read the Bible, has anyone ever deceived God? No. I did not see that one coming. Some things that God has never said, right? Oh, that surprised. No, you will never surprise God with anything, but people still try. All right, because we're dumb. And I put myself in that category, okay? I, I will never forget the most powerful sermon that I have ever heard my dad preach. It was not at church. (laughs) Nope. It was it, surprise. It was in a condominium in Florida, and I was living in rebellion. I was giving God the finger. I was doing what I wanted to do, and my dad delivered a message straight from the Lord, a sermon that I have never forgotten. I remember every single word. There were only six of them. (laughs) You want to hear my dad's sermon? Do you want to hear it? (laughs) It's kind of like you're getting two sermons for the price of one, if you think about it. Here's what he said. He looked at me and he said, God is going to kick your... uh," And then he said this word that rhymes with bass. I heard it. Oh, I heard it. I knew the truth. And just like King Ahab knew it was true, how do I know? Why? Look at the verse 29. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter into battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. You, you hide when you know you're guilty. Can I get an amen? amen? Ahab thought he could trick God. I, and I would love to look down my nose at Ahab. But I did the same thing. I had a moment in that house where I could have repented. I could have heard 
you know, where I could have stopped sinning and turned back to God. But I didn't. Because I thought it didn't apply to me. God's not going to get me. No, he will. Verse 33. Someone drew his bow at random, hit the king of Israel between the breastplate and the scale armor. Just someone, just at random, just happened to sink his arrow in a tiny weak spot between the joints of armor. You cannot trick God. You are not invincible. And I wasn't either. And after that tender, loving sermon that he delivered with all of the... (laughs) It was loving. It was loving. (laughs) I moved out. I left. And God let me go deeper in the pit and darker inside. And he gave me more of the sin that I craved until I was literally sick of it. Sick with disease, sick with emptiness. And I thought I could escape God, but I had become ill. And I just so happened to be in this minuscule fraction of a percent of people and of the population whose skin, you know, reacts to exfoliants that I had just happened to use at the shower at the exact same time my body was invaded by a virus. And my wild lifestyle left me with no defense. See, God found that tiny sliver in the armor. He found a sliver in my heart, heart, and soul, and he sent that arrow right at the right place where I was most vulnerable. It was a perfect storm, and I was going to die. I should have died, just like Ahab. Because I filled myself up with what I wanted, my own desires, my own lusts, and I was listening to my lying friends who only prophesied good things for me. Sometimes I, I'll rewrite the Bible, right? I, I imagine what it would it be like if people made a different choice. You see, King Ahab had this opportunity. He knew Micaiah was telling the truth. He knew it. What if he tore his robes? What if he repented? What if he tore down all of the idols and all the wicked places and turned his heart back to the Lord? What might have happened for Ahab? We will never know. But I know what happened to me. God let me eat my fill of my own wants. And he let me live in deception for so long it broke me. Jesus came in his love and he broke me. He says in Luke 20, he's speaking, it says, Jesus looked directly at them and asked, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Jesus is talking about our relationship with truth. See, the truth will either break you or it will destroy you. Either way, it's going to change you. See, he came and he crushed me. And I'm so glad that he did. He came and he broke my stubbornness and the selfishness. And I threw myself at his feet and I took responsibility for my choices. And I acknowledged I deserve judgment. I deserve death. And Jesus came to me and he brought me life and forgiveness and healing and freedom. And on the cross, our sins broke the body of Jesus. His body was crushed for us. Now we must be broken by his truth because truth changes us, not the other way around. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is truth. Can you give him praise this morning? Jesus is truth. 
And when you know him, when you know truth, that truth will break every chain and break every trap and every addiction and every fear and every prison that the enemy has built around your mind. Our passage this morning is prophetic. Truth versus fake news. The nature of prophecy is that it's going to ripple through time. It grows bigger with every generation. So the passage is speaking to us now, isn't it? But it is also speaking of things to come. Those disobedient, deceived prophets were headed up by one very aggressive false prophet, Zedekiah. And you can read about him in chapter 22. A false prophet, he's literally wearing a headdress with horns on it. And he's acting out how Ahab would be victorious. A false prophet speaking lies to a wicked, lawless king, inciting him to war and to conquest that will result in his death and judgment from God. And if you think that description sounds like something right out of the pages of Revelation, you would be right. That same lying spirit is at work. And the Apostle Paul tells us about it in 2 Thessalonians. I hope you read it. Here's a piece. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. You see, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he's preparing people who love truth to live with the King of Kings, the King of Israel, the Lord of Lords, Jesus, the Messiah. But a spirit of deception is also at work, and we, we are watching it happen, preparing everyone who loves lies for the reign of Antichrist and for eternal judgment that will come to Satan, who is the father of lies, and all who follow him. It's amazing, isn't it? Come on, let's stand this morning and give God praise for his word. Father, we love you. We thank you.